Hey, 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 what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the debut episode of Draft Capital, powered by MyBookie, an official draft-centered podcast brought to you by Off the Ball Network. And I'm not only one half of the show here. You get Stephen Gillespie here, for obviously from Off the Ball Network, the director of operations there, one of the co-hosts now of Breaking the Game. This show is going to be co-hosted by me and none other than the Off the Ball Network president himself, Mr. Big Brass, Chris LeBron. What's up, Chris? Hey, man. I'm excited about this. You know, when you when you brought this up, I was like, I want in. I want in on this. So I'm happy we were able to do this. I mean, we do this on our show, so why not just start a whole new show about it and just talk draft? So uh, I'm excited about doing this. I think this is going to be really fun. Yeah, me too, man. And this was one of those things that were like, I just felt like that inner conviction in my heart that's like, I see so many people that inspire me. Chris, you do the same thing. You know, we we cover the NBA on our individual shows, right? And we have some really tremendous people on, but we don't really get to talk about their content all year long like they do. And I'm seeing these guys and they motivate me so strong. And I wanted to do that too. You know, I felt like, okay, my show is on 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 dash radio it used to be twice a week now it's once a week due to reasons that you know just life happened but now i'm at a spot now where i felt like another show d- during the week was a thing and now i could keep up with the draft and produce more content and i couldn't think of anybody better to kick this off with than you too man because i know how much the, how much you enjoy the draft as well hey the draft is what started kind of my podcast boom if you want to say boom you know there you go it kind of uh got it going you know I've always liked draft you know any type of draft I love all drafts football draft fantasy but the NBA draft two years ago you know before last year um really got into it you know I remember having Matt Babcock as my first kind of draft guy and it kind of took off from there and then started doing live mock drafts and that kind of was a hit and people kind of enjoyed that. So it was something that I just said, you know what, I'm going to try to make this a part of my, you know, what I'm about. Um, incorporate this a lot into my shows. And like I said, do a bunch of live drafts and having draft analysts, you know. So it kind of just became a thing that just made me just absolutely love the process even more. Just being able to talk to people, you know, talk to scouts and agents and all that is so it, it, it kind of kind of went kind of went got big started rolling the kind of reason why you know there's a off the ball podcast and there's an off the ball network because it kind of took off so the draft is near and dear to my heart as it is for me too you know when i came on to off the ball network and you know i want to hit the ground running started covering the draft i started seeing some of the great work that you were doing like i said some of the guys that you've had on your show They've been kind enough to grace me with their presence on on breaking the game. And it's just one of those things where like it's when I get into like the actual scouting throughout the year, because Chris, let's face it, you know, we we probably tend to spend more time on our NBA shows talking, obviously, about NBA games, you know, the, the playoffs, you, you know, evaluations of teams, you know, matchups and and obviously some of the rumors and narratives. That's some of the you know most fun parts of, of the NBA season. But something about the draft cycle that happens all year long, I love the energy. I love, you know, being one of the first people to talk about a player. You know, it's it's kind of like you're unearthing, you know, hidden treasure where you're like, man, this guy is going to be good. And then 
several months down the line, you start hearing players or people talk about these players. Like my guy from this last season, I was really big on Santi Aldama. All the, all the guests that I've had come on my podcast, I would ask them about them. And they're extremely knowledgeable people. I like, could tell you more about some of these players than I could. But when I mentioned Santi Aldama, I felt like I kind of had a leg up on some of these experts. And that was just, I mean, probably just a boost to my pride here. But I loved being able to be one of the first guys to really unearth him and talk about him. And then next thing you know, he was the last pick in the first round of this year's draft. And it was just such a fun experience to be able to do. And Chris, real quick, we're getting a, a you know message here from Guard Up Nick's Salute, salute. Thank you so much for tuning into the debut show. So, Chris, we talked a little bit about why we like the draft, how special it is to us. I think it would be appropriate now since we're kind of in between draft cycles here. Let's talk about the one that just happened, man. Uh, you know, the 2020-2021 NBA draft class was pretty polarizing. The year before, you know, we were one of the first people to talk about how, you know, it's a deep class. It's just not star-studded. This year was a little bit better. What do you think? Well, this year's class was absolutely blue chippers. I think uh, that's what that's the big thing was guys that could change your franchise. When last year, maybe outside of maybe Anthony Edwards and maybe Lamelo, there wasn't as many blue chips, but it was deep where you can get a you know a lot of good role players, and and we all know how that is. The league is full of role players. You need role players, but last year wasn't sexy. You know where this year everybody wanted to be in that top five. And we saw how hard it was for teams trying to trade up into the lottery because even having a lottery pick, you know, you can get someone who's who could be a really good piece to your team. You know, so this draft was – it was fun to evaluate because, you know, even though we, we know had the blue chips, it's like, but which one's going to be the one? You know, who's going to be that one that, you know, uh, you know can – to truly change you know it's kind of like that oh three like we had four what the top four five you know five picks four of the five were really good players yeah but really good players but it's like okay who's gonna be how good you know you know who's gonna you know chris bosh we had chris bosh mellow obviously we knew lebron's going number one you know uh and, and uh and carmelo not but I think that was fun trying to see like who who's going to be that second guy right? because Cade was the consensus one, but who's going to Jalen? Because for a little bit it was Mobley, but then Mobley dropped and it went to Jalen Green, and then some people thought Jalen Green maybe. Can we heard the the Pistons things? They're yeah. not as high on Cade, but I, I kind of felt that was always smokescreen to just you know maybe sure. get someone to give them a, a package that they can't resist. But yeah, this was a, this to me the international class for me was really fun to really break down because I I found I've been finding myself very uh very tapped in into the international scene, you know, uh because the talent there is there's just so much talent out there. And you know, uh found myself liking this international class a lot. But yeah, this this class was so much fun. Last year it was fun too, just breaking down and trying to figure out who's because to me last year was probably a little tougher. Yeah. You know, because like there wasn't like as many blue chip guys and it was kind of like after the first top three, the top three, it was like, okay, now it's definitely a crapshoot. Like, we don't know, you know, what's going to happen after this. You know, we knew the top three last year was going to be what it was. You know, Edwards, Wiseman, Lamelo. after that, it was like, okay, we have no clue what's going on. This year, 
I mean, we got a little, maybe a little bit of surprise with Toronto kind of, you know, uh, we, I think, cause I, I assumed that it was going to be so I, I, I was as guaranteed that it was going to be Suggs that I was, that it was Cade was going number one. Like I was like, all right, I penciled that into every draft, but you know, you always get that one, you know? Uh, so what it, it was fun, you know, valuing this class. Uh, it definitely got some blue chippers in it, and I'm excited to see, you know, I'm just happy we had a summer league. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> that was that fun to watch. Year. Yeah. We didn't have that last year. So it, it also helped to evaluate even more um, guys. Cause last year we just didn't have that. And, uh, you know, we, we saw guys from last year who played summer league this year and we got to see them, you know, a little bit. So, um, yeah, it, it was it was definitely fun to uh, evaluate this because there's this guys that could potentially change franchises fortunes uh, is uh, is really cool to see, you know, who could be that who could be that guy. Yeah. And you're right. The, the amount of guys that you could draft on this year's class that could really alter things. It, w- it was unbelievable. You know, diving into the film, you, you heard the reputation of this class. You dive into the film. You look at the analytics if you're into that sort of thing. Chris, I know that you and I, you know, measured a little bit differently, but we both appreciate analytics, right? So we we look at all these different things and, and indications for players, and then we make our best assessments. And and as good as you and I get along, man, we, we have our disagreements, especially when it comes to evaluating players. What do you think? makes a player you know stand out in the evaluation process is it does it vary by position is it a positional thing to you or do you specifically look at individual skill sets no matter the position you know this are the measurables a big thing for you you know overall when you're looking at a player what is it that you think make a player kind of can't miss you go to measurables and measurables is something you get like it's like oh, like it's sexy, right? Ooh, a guy mm-hmm. has a seven foot, thirteen wingspan. You're like, <laughs> oh my god! But it's like that that could be beneficial if you can play. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're you know you can't play, then you know because we've seen so many times, especially with wingspan, and and uh, I even tweeted this out. I was like, wingspan's gonna get is gonna get a lot of people in trouble with their evaluations because you're gonna see seven foot four wingspan. You're like, oh, but then and you're gonna you're gonna forget about everything else and, and you'll be like. And and you're just gonna be like, oh, he's seven foot wingspan as a first round pick or whatever. It's like, well, can he play? <laughs> now that's the important both, part, right? <laughs> you know, like Cade. I think that's what people loved about Cade is like he could play, and he has a seven foot one wingspan. Because when you have both, it's a it's a match made ever. But I think stuff like measurables, it's like that. It's we hear it in football, right? Workout warriors. We see combine stars. You know, how many times have you seen the combine? A guy was. You hear he you never either haven't heard of him or he was like a fringe fifth round to like maybe undrafted guy and then has a combine where they run a four three and they become a first round pick and it's like what about the the tape you know <laughs> and at the end of the day it all comes down to the tape you got to be able to watch the tape to 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 see if this person plays and see if that game translates to the league you know because we've seen some guys the game doesn't translate they could be twenty five point per, per game guys and. Their game don't translate to the league, right? They're not going to be able to do what they're able to do, you know? And then we see guys who average 12 a game but just weren't unlocked, you know? And that's why I think that's the best thing about the drafting and, and just diving into it is guys that, like, are the 12-point-per-game guys and you're like, okay, 
there, there's more to it uh, and figuring out if there is that other level. Cause like we've seen that a lot with Kentucky guys, right. And some Duke guys, right. Yep. Devin Booker. Like if we, if people knew this was going to be Devin Booker or projected, this would be him. He's not going where he went 13th, 12th, you know? Uh, he, yeah. He was, mid, yeah he, mid to late lottery. Right. Yeah. He's going to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> He's going to the Lakers, you know, or he's going high. He's going yeah. top five, you know. So I think for me is trying to, to uh, depictate that and see, okay, what happened, like, for, uh, for players that struggled? Like, okay, what happened? Like, BJ Boston, for instance. Like, okay, mm-hmm. how do we how do we figure that out? Like, how do we do a deep dive? I'm like, okay, was it – is he not as good as we thought? Maybe he was just a product of high school basketball, which is a real thing, right? Absolutely. You know, you could be playing against, you know, four foot nothing guys and dominate and look good and be a five star, you know. So just trying to figure all that out to me is the fun thing about processing. And and, all, and every player is different. So you have to evaluate every player differently. But just trying to figure it all out is like to me the like the biggest mm-hmm. like it's like science. It's like, OK, all right. So he averaged 25 per game. OK, but he only did this against, you know, DeVry University and University of Phoenix. Okay, so he's really <laughs> when he played against Baylor, you know, okay, he averaged okay. So he he you know, when people get on his face, he can't okay. So just doing all that to me, it's it's a in it, it, it's an imperfect science. You can never no one's ever going to go 100%. You know, you you're, you're going to miss, you know, but uh, to me figuring all that out is so much fun to try to figure okay, I think this guy projects better in the NBA cuz some guys are some guys are hoopers. Like we, yep. we heard that whole thing, the basketball player hooper thing. Some I still guys, don't know which one is which. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm a little lost on what the hooper and the basketball player is. I think I think not not to get off, but like what they're trying to say is a hoop guy who's a hooper is just at you, you, you just give him the ball and they can just score, right? Where a bad guy who's a basketball player is just I guess fundamentals. Like he's not. Sexy, I guess it's something, mm, okay. something like that. You know, like Cam Thomas, for instance, he's, he's a hooper. You just give yes. him the ball, you could just score. He may not be able to do much else, you know, but he's a bucket. You know, he's gonna get you a bucket, you know. So, I so think basically, it's, it's like one is a system player, the other one is the system. Like Jamal Crawford is a hooper. There you go. You just give yeah. him the ball. You're like J.R. Smith. He's fifty. He's fifty, and he's gonna give you. 40 points like, it's just one of those guys that it might take you 50 ball. shots to get there but yeah, he's gonna yeah. get there like kobe's a hooper like tim duncan's a basketball player like uh, like i just can't give the ball to duncan and be like yo just take over like it has to be in a in a nba setting for him to do what he can do i think that's the whole debate <laughs> that, uh, <okay>. was, <laughs> that was happening <laughs> that's my I, that's what i think the definition just for me you know being around it's what i think what they were talking about the basis of all and it, it just it, it's blown it's blown up to proportion but it, it does it does you know trans with the draft it's like that too because like i mentioned some guys are just not built for college that system of playing a half like more half court style basketball slow pace some guys are just move moving they need to play in a faster you know trans you know up and down the court play in transition you know so i think uh figuring that out too is 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 uh is something uh you see a lot especially now with today's guys um it's definitely uh it's definitely it's definitely something that happens a lot more than this than previous players um but uh that's definitely uh something i'm trying to figure out a lot 
No, for sure. And, and, you know, trying to figure out exactly, I think mine is more positional, right? Like I look at a, I look at a guard and I see, okay, obviously his handle, he has to be able to attack on both sides or, you know, he's got to use his left and his right. He has to have a little bit of a bag, a size helps, right? It's one of those things to where like, if you're six foot, you're going to have to do a little bit more to show that you can translate at that next level. Right. But if you're about, you know, this new fandangled point guard, that's about, you know, six, seven to six, eight, you can kind of get away with a little bit more due to your size. Right. And that can kind of sometimes bite you in the butt a little bit. Whereas for, you know, a wing, I love to look at like a, like a perimeter based player. I think it's important to see what they do, not only when they have their ball with the, with the ball in their hand, but also what they do off the ball, you know, to shout out to off the ball network right there. Right. So pun intended or no pun, pun intended. Pun. I never, I never accidentally say off the ball. It's always hey, calculated. That's why it's named off the ball. Cause for that, one of those, those are definitely one of the reasons why it's, it's a buzzword. And I think draft capital <laughs> is too. And that's you know, one of the reasons why, you know, it's all up there in the, it's in still trap, but you know, these wing players, they need to be able to do so much without the ball because Guards will typically have the ball. You, you, there's so much movements in a lot of systems, you know, screen setting, pin downs, things like that, right? So if you're a high-end basketball player overseas or, or you know, domestic, I'm going to be looking at what you do without the ball in your hand. If you're kind of stagnant, if you ha- if it looks forced, right? Like there's so much drawn up, you know, the fluidity off the ball I think is just as important with the ball in your hand. Big man athleticism definitely helps but i love more of the instinctual based big men right like guys who will make the right play not try to jump over the defense necessarily right but you know they have to have a little bit of finesse like here let's do this let's do this i'm going to kind of call an audible so to speak alperin sangoon i don't know how you felt about him i mean i do but just for the sake of the show i want to hear more about how you felt about him but there were so many people that are like oh okay he's an international big man that can't shoot a three it's almost taboo right like if you're an international big you better be able to shoot the basketball uh, this guy is more of your traditional kind of role man but he has su- he has such a polished post game that it's just like how can you look at this guy play ball and not think that he's talented enough to make it at the next level. Not to say that he's going to take over as like a superstar status, but I mean, come on, third or fourth option on a really good team at the peak of his career. I think that that's very much so in, in, in the realm of possibility, so to speak, can finish with either hand. How about the fact he was MVP of his league at the age of 18 years old overseas? You really don't see a lot of overseas teams play young players, let alone young big players, such you know, high amount of minutes and he let, let alone go and be the MVP of a league. So talk to me a little bit about your evaluation of, of big men. And if you need to plug in an Alperin Shangun, you know, uh, analysis, I'm all for that. Alperin is my guy. I've been on this train for a while and a part of me wanted to put him five. Like I wanted to put him top five, but I didn't. I was like, okay. Cause I'm like, I really want to, because I just absolutely love his game, but I could see an instance where it doesn't work out because of the quote-unquote new style of bigs. But he does so much more than just that traditional back-to-the-basket type of player. Like his, and even his, the people will worry about like his lateral quickness on defense and all that. Like, and I know it's summer league, so I preference that. Like, I don't want to 
overreact. And that was my big thing is not to overreact. We're summer league because we see summer league superstars that we crown and then, you know, uh, don't do nothing in the league. You know, I mean, I remember hearing Kevin Knox getting KD comparisons and Kevin Knox is probably (laughs) going to be on the bench for the Knicks or not on the team, you know, and he's on his, you know, he's trying to save his NBA career. Mm-hmm. But with Alperuni, you just want it's for me. You got to use your eye test too. You just can't yeah. fall with these these narratives too, because the narrative t- would tell you Alperuni is not going to have success because he's a big and bigs. You know, today's bigs just don't aren't successful or whatever. You They're know, easily and, replaceable, right? Easily like replaceable. centers are a dime a dozen. You you don't want to pay, you know, nobody pays for bigs no more. You know, look at your little Okafer, like, and that was a comparison a lot too. People were comparing them a lot. And I get why they were trying to compare because they're like, oh, they're skilled in the post. But I'm like, thing is with that, what thing is with Jaleo is he doesn't have the perimeter shooting, you know, mm-hmm. Al Perun does. Like he's, a, he's also a, a very, good passer for a guy his size and like he's just so fluid and great footwork and everything you want like so who cares about all that like stuff like (laughs) and even some of his defensive stuff he you know wasn't as like i saw some nice stuff defensively even on the perimeter when you know a pick and rolls like he wasn't he he just didn't look lost you know in in the in the times i saw him so it's like what's not to like about him like he be one mvp in in the turkish league a, a good league not like, good wanted, league. not like he was playing in the ymca c league you know <laughs> he, he he played in a good league and won mvp and like you said we don't see guys his his you know as young as him do that stuff it just doesn't happen so i don't get why people were like oh he's just not going to be good and all that like i'm like and listen, he he couldn't he he could flame out, of course, but I, I'm gonna buy that he's gonna be good. And to me, the Rockets, uh, Jeez. If, <laughs> I don't know. Is there a, is there a grade after A plus? Because I, plus if plus, I can, give can a we plus do that? Plus, like because they got four. Okay, four of the top twelve guys for me on my board, and, and the fact that they got Alperun later, like. They hit a home run, and to me, Alperun's going to be really good. Like he, he, he may contribute right off the gate because he's he, he's going to be good. Uh, I, I'm I'm certain he's going to be good. Uh, I should have just put him higher. I don't know why. I just should. Sometimes know, we uh, do that to ourselves, man. Yeah, and and, and it's tough because when you do your, you try to factor in everything. But I think from now on, I'm just going to. It's who I like. I'm not going to factor in like where I think a guy goes because then that gets just no. It's my board. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's my board, and I'm going to do it my way. So from now on, I'm just going to – it's who I like. And I, when I watched him, I just said, oh, my God, I absolutely love him. Like, I, I just – it's just he popped on the screen. He's just so good. Every possession is so smooth. He's nice touch around the rim. It just – I don't know what's there not to like. I think he can translate. He's going to be able to shoot the ball. I think at a nice clip in the league. So I, I'm, I'm all, he's probably, he was probably my favorite prospect in the draft. High, high praise, man. And uh, just so you know, I had him ninth on my board and the guys that I have above him, I, I truly think that I didn't snub him. You know what I mean? Like I, and I liked him a lot. And sometimes man, like we get in our own heads. Like I like Trey Murphy a lot. You know, he's a guy that I, you know, and I've said this on shows with you is like, 
I want to put him so much higher. I want to put him so much higher, but I just like, for whatever reason, couldn't, my, couldn't talk myself into it. And, you know, he, he went about where he probably should have, but he's probably also going to outplay that. So not to make this an Alper and Shangoon podcast as I mean, much as I would that. love to. I, mean, I, I, Dude. I, I think we, I think we got to have a, a pod with just, talking about how good i how much we love alperun well be, <laughs> here's so the thing fun. dude i was and as much as you loved him i said you know and shout out to the off the ball network group chat i was like people can knock this dude all they want but i see shades of sabonis and i even threw in Jokic, right because of the playmaking like it, it it's not outlandish to say that his playmaking might be the most underrated part of his game and it's going to be something that I think Houston is going to be able to take advantage of because what some of the most successful teams in the NBA run their offense through their big man because not everybody has an answer for that. So yeah, it's interesting I, stuff. So I don't get why the, the Kings. I mean, not the King. Yeah, the Kings. Who they took? They took uh, the Magic. Why they passed up on uh, on him at eight? Or and then uh, who Franz Wagner the went way too, too high. And, and the and the Spurs too. I thought those were the two spots he was going to go to, but. Even the Thunder, you know, I mean, they're the team they that traded, traded him away. They traded him away to Houston. I mean, they got more draft picks, and that's what you know Oklahoma he was City too wants old to for do. Them. He was too old for them. Yeah, eighteen-year-old <laughs> MVP Nas too good. We're trying to no, tank. No. We're trying to tank. We're trying to tank. <laughs> All right, so we just got done speaking real glowingly of Alperin Shangun here, um, and we both spoke how high we were on him. So you know that the consent, the consensus you know, tells us that this player is good, that this player is bad. Um, sometimes the consensus, they just go off of, you know, the expectations. They may go to like a, a rival's website or something like that and be like, okay, this dude is a five-star recruit coming in. Therefore, he's going to be at top of the board. And they don't look at their stuff until, you know, after the draft, right? So let's talk a little bit about us versus the consensus here. You know, I, I have my board pulled up. Uh, I'm interested to see, um, some of your takes here, but I want to start with from this last draft class again, you know, talking about the 2020 to 2021 NBA draft class here on draft capital powered by my bookie, go to mybookie.com, who matches up to 50% of your first deposit and up to a thousand dollars cash. That's the largest payout in the industry. They have some of the highest credit card approval rates, 48 hour fast turnaround on your money. Go to mybookie.ag, enter in promo code off the ball. And let's win big together. That's off the ball at mybookie.ag. So, Chris, again, us versus the consensus here. I have my board pulled up. I want to turn it over to you first, right? I want to. I want you to just give me a couple names that you had higher on your board than what the consensus would probably allow if they could control your board. Oh, okay. So let me let me go pull up my board quick. Um. Let me see. I had the guy right here. Um, a guy that didn't even get drafted. Okay. I had, I had Vrenz Blindberg as a top 30 pick, a first round pick. I was really shocked he didn't get drafted. Um, that was probably one of the shockers for me in the draft. I, I like this skill a lot. Like I said, I told you before, I was really big on international class. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I had him on the show too. But I kept the bias out of it because, you know, he, he was really engaging and all that. And, and it's it's easily it's easy to root for him because he's so engaging and, and his story and all that. But if you watched, I, I probably watched more of Ren's film than anyone else. And I could see why 
teams maybe were skeptical about him because he mm-hmm. didn't play in like a, a, a really good league in Belgium. But I try to like I try to eliminate that and just okay, does his skill does he have NBA skills? And I was like, yes, he does. And he's six foot eleven, seven foot plus wingspan. I think his shooting, you know, was inconsistent, but I feel like with the right program in the NBA, that could get fixed. You know, you know, that could easily get fixed. It was little things like, oh, he needs to get stronger. Everyone needs to get stronger. Of course. You know? <laughs> so, like, when people say that as a as a weakness, like KD is, can KD get stronger? Yeah, but KD is seven foot. And he's a hooper. He's a hooper. Like so, like, not everyone needs to be, you know, Giannis. You know, see, Gian, and that was probably a weakness for for Giannis. Right? Get, well, that he was six seven. Yeah. yeah. And everyone needs to get stronger. So, like, and to me, taller. Like, oh, everyone and needs weak. to be like, taller. Yeah, like <laughs> you know, everyone. <laughs> you you you're gonna be in the league. You you everyone needs to get stronger. You know. So, like, I don't think that's a weakness and all that. But with friends, it was like, I love this playmaking ability, is unselfishness, and and like we mentioned before, with international, international play. They don't play young people. So he he didn't mm-hmm. play in that. But when he played, he he did some really good things, and I thought. He gets to the states, and and I I just to me he was one of the best international players, and I thought if he's not a first round pick, he definitely should have got drafted. So I was higher than higher on him than most. I know like uh, Rafael Barlow had him as a as a first round had a first round grade on him, and I'm sure he's shocked too that he didn't get drafted sure. and didn't even get a a look, you know, exhibit ten deal or something, a two way deal in in the in the in, or even a summer league tryout. You know, that to me is very shocking. But, uh, yeah, I, I was probably uh, I was probably high on him a lot. Uh, I, had like, I had a first-round grade on him, but um, he, he didn't get drafted. But, um, yeah, that was probably the hot, the guy I was highest on, you know, than most – because I saw a lot of people have him in the 70s or they didn't even have him because it was ranked or whatever. So that was probably the one guy, you know, that really uh, I was higher than probably most people. Oh, sure. And they and- – to be honest with you, very low on my radar as well. So, I mean, mm-hmm. even against people who I would consider myself to be non-consensus, I mean, I would still sleep on him as well. But a, a guy that I want to talk to you about is uh, he, he's one of your guys, right? He played at Duke. Um, a lot of people, uh, I know that you've had, had your criticism criticism of him as well. Uh, but Jalen Johnson, I mean, a lot of people had him pegged, you know, one of the funniest things about me and with this whole draft process for Jalen Johnson is everyone would start their takes with him seemingly of he has top 10 talent, but, and then insert criticism here. And I feel like a lot of people, and it's funny to me that they did this, Chris, and maybe you can, and, and shed a little bit of perspective on this from your end. Right. But a lot of people judged his amateur decision making for a professional league. It was almost as if like Jalen Johnson was be a, being evaluated, leaving Duke to go to another call, like a, another blue blood college program, as opposed to going to a billion dollar organization in the NBA. You know what I mean? Like billions and billions of dollars. And at the end of the day, the NBA has had, you know, a pretty sound reputation with their players compared to some of the other leagues. Right. But every once in a while you get some guys who have a little bit of, you know, checkered past and Jalen Johnson, it's like, okay, he played at multiple high schools. Okay. He left Duke early. What happened at Duke? Because 
you know, Coach K retired after that year. So maybe there was stuff going on that we just weren't privy to. You know what I mean? So and and you watch the guy play. The talent was was real. It was on display. Um, maybe the numbers don't jump out to you as as too eye popping. But I mean, the percentages are there. I mean, 52 percent from the floor over 40 percent from deep, you know, has the versatility to play multiple positions in the NBA uh, it was built is physically built for the NBA already at such a young age. And again, there's just so much that you can like about him and he's only going to get better. He's so young that he might even grow even more. And I had him slated as my seventh best prospect in this draft. And I know, you know, he was drafted, drafted what in the twenties, right to Atlanta. So it's, it was one of those things that kind of baffled me. What was your thoughts about Jalen coming into the, into this uh, draft class? I, I was obviously I'm a Duke fan. So I was very static for him to go to Duke. I thought he had top five potential and all that. And when, when it comes to the, all the other stuff, like I could understand why teams may be weary simply because they're like, maybe he's just surrounding himself with the wrong people. Mm -hmm. He's listening. And that, that, you know, you're investing millions into a player. You want to be able to know that you're, you know, this person is going to be surrounded by, you know, good people. Cause you know, you, you don't want to read that, you know, something happened in the news because he was, you know, surrounded by the wrong people and all that. Now I think it, it also got overblown all that. Like, sure. I think he's, he's one of those guys. And I think you, you've said this before. Maybe just should have just went to the, the G League route because it yeah. just seemed like he was just ready. And also, like last year was a weird year, especially for Duke. Like it was a not a and Kentucky year and Kansas. Like, like a lot of the blue bloods, <laughs> the top blue bloods. Like we saw with Kentucky. Kentucky. I mean, they, Kentucky made Duke season look elite. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, at least Duke was. You know, I think uh, above five hundred. Like Kentucky was just a disaster, and you and some people thought Kentucky had the best class, you know, uh, so well, Jalen, you know, his talent is, it's top five, top seven. Like he, you know, that talent alone, I, I, I think it, you know, why he fell so hard was, you know, he did leave some people. He quit on Duke, you know, essentially. And I've, and I've seen Duke fans say the same thing. I never thought that. I just think he made a business decision. We're not going anywhere. All I can do is hurt my stock by mm -hmm. i can get hurt well you know and it's COVID. like i'm gonna get hurt for what this this cardboard cutouts what am i getting you know you know at least <laughs> if you know we got fans here you know i'm playing you know for something and maybe the season's different it's just a weird year you know let's just let's just cut our losses and he's and he said i still got love for duke you know and, and he loves duke he, he feels like he made the right decision but I think those are factors why. I mean, there are some actual in-game factors too. You know, I know people may not think he can like. I know the, sh the three-point numbers look good, but it was like mm -hmm. on like two, three attempts a game, so like volume wasn't there. I know some people question, you know, the shot mechanics and all that, but the talent's there, man. And he went to the. I don't know how the Hawks <laughs> there. Like I've said this a million times, and in and. When I was on Knicks fan thievery TV, in the draft, my when friend. When I was on Knicks fan TV, um, I you can see my expressions. I'm like, they let the Hawks get Jalen Johnson, and then two hours later, you go get Sharif Cooper. Like, how do you? How did they let this happen? But 
because now essentially the Hawks have their, uh, uh, you know, a little less version of of Trey and and uh, and Collins. And yeah, the great value the, brand, right? Yeah, yeah, they got their own. All they got their, you know, I wouldn't say Dollar Tree brand. You know, they have their. They're on the ball counterparts, yeah, right? They have their on the ball counterparts. You know, they have their Walgreens <laughs> version. You know, if CVS is is Collins and Trey Young, they got their Walgreens version. It's still it, that could potentially be, you know, uh, it could potentially be a Walmart. You know, and it's crazy that they they were able to get this. But Jalen, I mean, Jalen's going to be he's in a great situation. You know, that could be a potential trade chip. You know, down the line, so he could be able to you know go somewhere else and flourish because. You know, obviously they re up Collins, but he he's going to be good. You know, the you know him and Sharif in summer league. You know, especially that first game, I believe. Oh man, they were so much fun. It, it was fun to watch them play together, and we saw glimpses of uh, what what we might see. You know, in Atlanta, you know, in that second unit. So um, Jalen's Jalen, I think his stock hurt because of leaving Duke and going to the multiple schools in high school. So maybe some teams are weary about that. But um, he he definitely should have gone higher. He was another one. The Spurs. I mean, I mean, we we could probably should do a Spurs. Uh, um, what the heck the Spurs are doing? Yeah, but I mean, I, you know, people want to get on the Knicks. Primo had some good summer league, some some good summer league moments. But I don't get the it's value for me. No, it's I value get it for me. Like, and listen, maybe they thought he was gonna go. I know you, you know, team certain you have, you, you have your prospect in mind. It just, I never heard Primo going this high, bro. I, I had him third. I had him 34th on my board. I think that's probably around where I had him in that early third, which is fine. Like, even if he went 28th, I'm not going to trip. No, but it four was or like, five spots, you know, I didn't hear the guy you any, like. Yeah. I didn't hear from any of the, the draft people that I've interacted with or anyone that he was going to be a lottery pick, you know, it, it wasn't like, I just didn't see that. So I, I don't get what the Spurs are doing. And listen, we can, we can, they could, he could prove us wrong. And I hope he does. Now, I'm not really yeah. against him, but I just don't want a guy to fail. I didn't see it. I didn't, I didn't see him going that high. And, and you know, I thought the Spurs could have went a few ways and did solid. Like I said, with, with, with Al or, you, you know, with Jalen Johnson, I thought those two guys would be their top two on their boards. And I think a lot of people thought that, but didn't happen. And you know, we'll see. But to let the Hawks get him, so <laughs> it, it's, it's the Hawks. The Hawks did good. Well, they they uh they they trusted their board, and and everything fell to them. And it, it's crazy how everything fell to them. They were probably like, all right, there's no way. Like people were talking about Sharif going in the lottery. Dude, I heard that, and I had him. 48. What I had, yeah. I had him twenty third on my board. Like I went, and I wasn't as high on him as what some of the other people were. There were some people that loved him, like in the lottery. I didn't yeah, see that, me. including I me. <laughs> I didn't see that, but you know, I'm looking at him twenty third on my board, and to grab him, what like forty third, forty. It was almost like, undrafted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like middle of the second round. He was closer like, to getting undrafted than he was draft than getting uh, drafted. Like it's being a first round pick. Like it's it's crazy. It didn't make any sense to me. But one more guy I want to talk about before we move on to you know um, the upcoming class and some of our thoughts on the guys there, Chris. I want to talk to you about a guy I was really high on. I'm interested first before we get too deep into him. Um, tell me where you had Cameron Thomas on your on your big board. I think I had him in the twenties, if I if I believe, um, like we talked about before, Hooper. Yeah, dude. Just, 
I had him, else, had him eleventh on my board. And, and listen, I think he's gonna he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a buck, and he showed in summer league. He's gonna absolutely just chuck it. He he's he's gonna be, and they let the Nets get him. Like that's they, the thing. They like, let the, they let Cam Thomas. They let Cam Thomas go to the, to the Nets. I, I said coming into into this draft, I said, now look, you, he obviously has his warts, right? But mm-hmm. to me, Cam Thomas can come into the NBA day one and put up six man of the year conversation, depending on the team. Now, obviously, going to Brooklyn isn't the ideal place for him to do that. But my goodness, man, the rich getting richer. The 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 Nets had a really good offseason, both in free agency and in the draft. I'm looking at him 11th on my board, and I'm seeing all these teams pass up on him. I'm like, they really let Cam Thomas fall to the freaking Brooklyn Nets. Oh man! I, as I was on the draft show, we all look at each other like, "Damn it!" Like we all—it's an—it was a Nick. It's a, a Knicks. If you don't know what Knicks fan TV is, it's a Knicks. It's about the Knicks. But they did a draft show. We all look at each other like, "Damn!" And that's just got Cam Thomas, and that's really good on on this draft. But I mean, Cam Thomas is just—you know—and they kind of needed that too. Dude, you, know, you yes. would think you would think, all right, oh, they got Kyrie, they got Harden, they got KD. Those are that's what that could be 90 points. With there the you go. Three guys. But <laughs> what what hurt them when Kyrie got hurt and Harden got hurt? They had no other guy that could really, you know, create mm-hmm. and be a ball handler. It was KD or bust. And yep. they needed KD to literally get, you know, do everything possible. And you don't want to be in that situation, even if because, hey, you never know. You're, you're, you know, if you have those, if you're in a big three situation, two guys go down, <laughs> it, it, it could get ugly. So they, they gave themselves depth. So if Kyrie goes down, you got Cam. Or if Harden goes down, you got Cam. To, uh, he's going to be a, a spark plug. He's you got know? Patty Mills come, coming off the bench yeah, with him, you maybe. Got, you got Patty Mills, too. Like, so they, and they needed to get younger, too. You yeah. know, they, they need to get some, some youth in that, at least on your bench. They drafted you know, Dayron Sharp too. Dayron Sharp, which another good get. That was another guy. Where I was like, if the Nets ended the first round, I think Dayron Sharp perfect for them. You know, another guy that can maybe not utilize a hundred percent at UNC that has some untapped potential too. You know, they had like a those- running back stable at, at, at center. It felt like it in UNC. They had so many bigs that they had to cycle through because they were all so good. And Dayron was almost putting up a double double in like 20 minutes it was insane yeah yeah and then like the obviously covid year and like i think we have to factor all that like just the weirdness and then royal williams retiring mm-hmm. there's a lot of factors into so like but you know they they had a solid draft but getting cam that late you know that's just kind of where i had him and like i said i probably should have had him higher but mm-hmm. i was i kind of felt like he was going to be dropped simply because people are going to like Pick and prod him because he's not big. He, he's a scorer, and, sure. and like it's like that's value. But like, you know, th- there's other guys you know, that went before him that could do multiple things. You know, uh, I know his playmaking has been in question, but you know, one thing he could really do is really score. Well. And then you know, especially when you're on a team that you know you could be able to do that the second unit. That's you know that that's one of the best value picks in this draft. You know, while uh, the Nets getting him at 27, that was an absolute steal 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 yeah and the fact that in a former nba mvp is going to be your your head coach too and steve nash and you're going to get to learn from some of mm-hmm. the best isolationist players in the nba and 
I mean, listen, you can you can you can criticize KD, Harden, and, and Irving for anything that you want. Each one of them has their warts, right? But I mean, if you could come in as a rookie and learn from those guys, and you know you're going to see time because Kyrie's going to do his thing, where you know he's not going to be available every night. Harden probably the similar thing. You're going to be in that guard rotation as a young guy, and if you could build your confidence alongside just you know NBA champions and MVPs on this team, it's going to be it's going to be a good experience for him because I don't think that the Nets proved that they were as volatile as everyone thought they were going to be last season. They were actually one of the better teams as far as you know from the beginning and end. They were consistent, um, even with guys missing time. They showed that their that their team play. Was, was nothing to be slept on. And I think Cam Thomas coming in as a young guy, he could give a lot of value to that regular season production for the Nets there. So, Chris, kind of shifting gears, right? Like we just got done patting ourselves on the back or maybe popping ourselves in the face here. You know, I'm looking at guys that I was lower on in this draft. I had Josh Giddy 15th, and he was taking six. So, you know, there's a lot of boomer bust potential with him. But moving on to next year, man, I'm, I'm looking at some of these top names. And and your Dukies, they got a couple of them, you know, Banchero and AJ Griffin. You know, both of these guys, Duke might do some crazy things next year, man. I mean, yeah. new coach, you know, two guys that could make the argument for possibly going one and two in the draft. I mean, every time you see a team that might have a player, you know, consecutive players go top two in the draft. I mean, well, obviously the season has to play out and we got to evaluate these guys, but there's a lot of um, fanfare going on. For, for your Duke Blue Devils, man. Talk to me a little bit about the expectation of these two guys. Man, uh, Banchero, see, I'm lost for words. He's just, he's special. I To me, he's the, he's the I know, I know Chet is most people's consensus. Oh, maybe, yeah. Maybe this is my bias speaking. Maybe a little bit. But there's something about, you know, Banchero, man, that just, he he's everything you want. He 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 has the size, right? We talked yep. about size and all six ten. I think got seven foot wingspan. Two fifty. I mean, yeah, he's, he's a brick. He, <laughs> he's he he's really good, man. He, he's special. He's everything you want in the wing and all that. Like he he's really good. And and then you got AJ Griffin in there too. Like it, it's they could potentially be. You know, I I think Chet. You know. Chet's gonna be put in a good position at Gonzaga, obviously. Sure. You know, Mark Hughes is gonna put him in, in good positions. And and Chet's Chet's definitely special. You know, his rim protecting to me is is tremendous. You know, mm-hmm. he's another one. Wingspan is what seven foot freaking forever for him. I mean, dude's yeah. already like over seven feet tall and not even two hundred pounds, yeah. right? He's so like, I mean he's yeah. He's definitely got to get in the gym. He got to get in the lift the weights, but that's what college for. That one year, he gonna he definitely gonna lift some weights and, and get a little stronger. But um, he's getting Kevin Durant comparisons. I don't know if it's it's only because the style of play. There's a little bit of the frame there too, right? Yeah, and that's the thing that's always that's gonna be tough for Chet because you get compared to KD. That <laughs> that's literally, you know, that's high praise, and that's tough to uh, you know, that's that's why it's tough to compare, especially we're comparing eighteen year olds. And all that, but I think the the you know the Duke, you know, with that with that class they coming in and you know they're gonna be good next year. You know, last year the Coach K and all that, but I I think if I'm, you know, I think Paolo uh, is gonna be the number one pick. You know, I just think he's everything you want in a wing. Like he he's 
great athlete, playmaker, you know, I think versatile he's thinking, dude. He's versatile. Yeah, he, he just I think he's everything you want. So I, I'm super high on him. Bias, unbiased, say what you want. I've been when he did, when he said he was going to Duke, it was it, it, it's it's put smiles to my face. It's definitely um, you know, uh, they almost got Patrick Baldwin too, which would have yeah. been even even they could have had three. It would have been like when they got reddish Zion and RJ. Uh, they would have got those comparisons, but you know, uh, Patrick want to go into uh, what his dad at yeah, uh, Milwaukee, yeah. Milwaukee. Uh, so. But yeah, I, I like I like Paolo. I think AJ Griffin's another one. You know, these these guys are just these today's athletes, man. <laughs> six foot these kids grow on like six foot nine, six foot eight. Like it's it's just crazy, like how guys are built today and like you know, you chet seven foot, you know, uh, but th- there's some serious talent for next year, man. That that's mm-hmm. that as excited I was about 2021 i looked at 2022 like all right i'm not gonna dive into it too like into it crazy yet and then i'm like oh my god look at the talent like there's some there's some (laughs) there's some potential blue chip guys again like we might have you might be like seven to ten deep and just like franchise altering players i mean i'm looking at my my big board from this past season right my top 10 i'll just read them off real quick Got Cade Cunningham, obviously this is the consensus number one franchise altering guy. Suggs, I had second. I know that I'm higher on him than the consensus, but I mean, I think that he's showing a little bit already in his young career in Orlando. Jalen Green has already hit celebrity status. You know, he got his new grill and putting it all on display on social media, and people are going to say whatever they want already about him spending his money. But I mean, Dagum, like the kid is electric. Uh, I have Kaminga, Mobley. Booknight, Johnson, Mitchell, Shangoon, and Scotty Barnes were were my top ten here. So, yeah, most of the probably about half of those guys you look at as a real chance to be franchise altering guys. I mean, Chet Holmgren, uh, Paolo Banchero, uh, AJ Griffin, Jalen Duran, Jaden Hardy, Jaden Ivy, Patrick Baldwin Jr., uh, Houston Watson, uh, N- Nikola Jovic. I'm really excited about evaluating yeah, yeah. him moving I like forward. Him a lot. I like him a lot too. Like he, he's uh he, he's definitely going to keep climbing up in rankings. I mean, six ten, just under two, like just over two hundred pounds, eighteen, playing at Mega Basket. There, he's Woko Pekalkin. Like he he uh, he took his name out this year, and people were like you know he probably would have been a first round pick, and he yep. comes back next year, he might go lottery. You know? I know our guy um, Arison is big on Ty Ty Washington in, in Kentucky. Yeah, he looks some one. type Apple of way bar. too. So I mean. We there's so much that can happen. I mean, even some of the guys that are lower on boards, like Mojave King, and, and you know, playing in Australia, another intriguing guy. So there, there's a lot that you could get excited about for this upcoming class, and I can't wait to dive in a little bit more as the season progresses. But Chris, before we close, uh, I want to I want to just a little food for thought. You know, just kind of chew on this. We don't have to give a super in depth answer, but just. With everything that's happening that's changing with the different routes that you can make it to the NBA with, man, I mean, it used to be, you know, once upon a time, you could be in high school and go straight into the NBA, right? But then eventually that went away. And then it only ended up being, you know, you had to go to college or you can go overseas, right? But the thing was, is that you had to have a year basically outside of high school and you you had to be of age. Now you can reclassify. Now you could go to the G League or the Overtime Elite 
you know, NCAA is doing some cool things with like name and likeness and being able to, you know, get sponsorships away from the school. So with all of these new avenues that players can take to, you know, be in the NBA, how much more difficult slash fun does that make it for you as an analyst? Oh, it's it's fun because I think what we see a lot every everyone thinks they can play in the NBA. Everyone thinks, but there's only 60 people that are going to get drafted draft day. And how many times we see so many freshmen, you know, underclassmen that declare and they don't get drafted. And now they got to, you know, take that long, hard route to the league where either they got to go to the G League, you got to go overseas. And then you're like, well, what, what happened? I thought I was the guy in high school and all that. And, you know, should I just went back to college, but I ain't going to, you know, money situations. Mm-hmm. Now we're, we're going to see guys now that they can make m- money off their name and all that name, image and likeness. They may be like, OK, I'm a fringe draft you know, prospect right now. I got a name. Let me just go back to school. I can make money now. Mm-hmm. I can make money off my name and all that. So I don't I'm not tripping over the money right now. I can go from being a second round pick. Okay, I still got to fight my way through the league because, you know, there's no guaranteed contract. So I still have I could get cut and then guarantee I'll make it out of summer league or whatever. You know, uh, I can get cut, you know, easily and not get no money for that. Then I got to go do the hard route. Let me make my money in, in, in college or whatever. Continue to work my game, get my education. And then I come back and maybe I'm, I'm boosting. I'm a first round pick, you know, and then I'm a get I get that guaranteed, you know, contract, you know, so. I think this benefits college more than I know people like oh college is freaking out over this. Like, why? <laughs> They're bleeding. Like, like, oh yeah. First of all, you know, we're talking about a hundred some of these schools are making, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. Like, so let's not feel bad for the institutions about this. Their industries. Yeah, like, but this could be beneficial for some of these schools, you know, especially in in, in basketball where where it's not as many people, you know. You guys, guys that you know. Like I said, may that may have without this gone try to go pro. Now they come back to your school, that's going to elevate your program. Now you can go from maybe being, you know, that guy left. Now you're not even a a, a March Madness team. Now you can go from being, you know, getting to the tournament. And everyone, you know, you like that deep tournament one because that helps recruiting. It it just it me benefits college just as much as the kids in a way because now we're not going to see as many kids i guarantee we'll see that number of kid underclassmen declare go down significantly mm. so we're going to get guys go to the combine like and we saw right the minute they didn't name major lightness how many guys dropped out they're like okay yep all right let me just go back to school and i'll just take advantage get some money and then we'll, we'll go back ucla is making <laughs> is making out all right for this yeah, like Johnny Juzang did that right like yep. and he's, he's gonna go because he had a killer tournament right tried this thing and then well, I'm, I'm going to go back to UCLA and then he's probably going to make a killing next year. And then mm-hmm. he was probably, and he didn't have a great combine. So that probably a factor too, but now he can go from maybe being a second round pick to next coming to next year, work on his game, make some money, go in and maybe be a first round pick, get that guaranteed contract. So I think we're going to see a lot less underclassmen definitely next year, a lot. And we're going to see less guys take that chance and put their name in and, you know, have that possibly of not getting drafted because go back to school, take advantage of the name management like this, make some money and, you know, work on your game and 
See, see, you run it back and see what happens next year. If you get better, then you just you're gonna make money in college, continue the education, and maybe be a lottery pick or whatever, a first round pick, you know, and get that guaranteed deal. So to me, it's a win-win. You know, college. I know what college people like who are pro like amateurism, like so like oh I don't want these kids making money. It's like well, these schools are making a lot of money off these players. Like why can't they? Isn't that the goal to teach these people how to make money? Like you know uh, to be successful to make money, adults, to be right? successful like to live the American dream. Like but they can't do it as a college football player or a college basketball player. Like I, I, I never understood only, how only students that can't have a job. Steven, Steven, I never understood how that is legal. Like how you say, well, you can't make money, but uh, you know, the guy, the, the, the kid that's, you know, sitting next to you in class can, you know, start a business while, and there's no regulations to that, but the college football player, the best can't make a, can't even get a slice of pizza. For free and they still else. have the audacity to call them kids too which makes it gross to me you know yeah, it's like yeah, why yeah. call them a kid and then say They're well amateurs. no kids yeah. yeah it just it, it got it, it was a I, I can't believe it took this long but it, it was finally like wait this has been going on like you can't make you can't go to a car dealership and just <laughs> do a little signing like you know, like what about a guy like cassius winston right like that didn't get drafted until you know, he had to wait until he was a senior to come out. You know, I had him really high on my oh, board. I really loved him. Killing him in college. Oh, dude, killing. in Michigan, like he would he would be pulling all kinds of scholarships, and he would be held. And that, like you mentioned, that helps the recruiting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, colleges are openly like not wanting to help themselves. But real quick, Chris, I just want to touch on the G League. I love the fact that that option's open because yes. I think it helps the league and I think it helps the players. Right? Um, obviously, for the league, you're getting. You're getting to introduce these guys. You're getting to see them up against, you know, former or current NBA level talent, uh, current or former NBA level head coaching or aspiring, right? Like we just saw Jason Terry got hired on to be a G League coach now. So that's pretty cool. So someone's going to get some some coaching and mentorship from a guy like a Jason Terry before they go into the NBA, you know, and not only that, but there's programs to, you know, and, and basically like seminars and it's not school. But they they offer different seminars for the you know how to make money, how to save money, right? That way, when you leave the NBA, you're not broken. But let's not kid ourselves and act like the NBA doesn't make a little bit off of this too, because now there's another way that they can you know stream games or air games live, and they can make you know revenue that way. And also to the access to the health records, that's one of the biggest things that has kind of hampered draft statuses for some of these players, like what we just saw this year with Jared Butler coming out of Baylor, mm-hmm. you know, clear. Clear number or first round talent, my eyes doesn't get drafted until what 40 by the Utah Jazz. So yeah, yeah. it's it's one of those things where, like, obviously, NBA teams want to have access to a player's medical record so they can make a, a good, strong assessment. That way, you know, Michael Porter Jr. isn't drafted, you know, past the lottery by the Denver Nuggets, right? So it's one of those things that I think, just like you said, it helps everyone involved is a little bit better off. And What's the most important thing, at least in my eyes, that these teenage, you know, early 20 year old kids can make decisions? You know, it's not that, well, if I want to be a professional, I have to be an amateur first. You know what I mean? Like they get to be more in charge, more control of their own destiny. Yes, they make significantly more money than us, Chris. But at the end of the day, it's it's basically just like a, a, a right that we have as American citizens that like we can choose like the option is there available to us. If we have the ability to do a trade or a job or whatever, 
we have the ability to to sh basically shop around like we're not told where we're going to work you know mm -hmm. like maybe we might be limited to certain things that we can do but at the end of the day the choice is yours chris on what you want to do and it's only fair that you know these you know soon to be professional athletes have that same option afforded to them yeah and it's not like the schools are paying them it's you know whatever sponsorships are paying them so like i just I never got why this was such a big issue. Like, why can't they make money off you? If you're using my likeness and I can't make a dollar. Like, you can and they wear took my away jersey. video games from us, Chris. Yeah, and I want NCAA football back. What the I heck? I want man? college hoops back. I'm not paying $150 for NCAA football because I had it. It got scratched, upset. I cried a little bit. <laughs> try to get it on. You can try to go on eBay to get NCAA oh, dude, back good luck. football. I remember one guy's like, oh, I'll get, I'll give, give me one fifty for it. I was like, well, I guess I'll wait till the next game comes out because I'm not giving you a buck fifty for. It. But it's like, then we'll go get the games back. Like it, it's just, I never understood the issue with this. Why? Why? Like you go, there's a hundred thousand. How many? Some of these stadiums, college football, hundred thousand people, right? They always mm -hmm. brag about, oh, we could. Ohio State brags about, you know, a hundred ten thousand people in this, but there's and eighty thousand are wearing um, Justin Fields jerseys. But Justin Fields can make a penny off of that, but the but the but the schools can sell that or, or or you know, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. That's like like look at Zion, right? We, oh, and we dear. saw the issue with Zion, right? He hurt, right? For sure, like that could have been his career. Mm -hmm. His career flashed between his. Everyone was like, "What are you doing?" Like just like, but if we had the name, image, and likeness, he would have had. You know, God forbid that did was Kyrie his, Irving, similar thing, right? In, yeah, in dude. Like it's happened, and how many times have we seen it in college football, right? Uh, what was that? Lattimore, he used to play for South Carolina. Mm -hmm. He was supposed to be a first round pick. He blows out his knee. You know, he still gets drafted, but never plays in the league. He's you know? not what he, he was going to be. He would have made a killing because he was, you know, he would have made a killing. You know, so like, I just don't understand why this was ever an issue. I'm glad this is the case. We could, right? We can teach. You can also, like, this can help you the in the schools too. Just you could teach them how to manage their money, you know. This this is stuff we should be knowing anyway. You know, yeah. like I always wonder in high school, like why didn't they teach us how like to like I don't know save money or invest? Like, why, why didn't they teach us that? Why are they teaching us Pem, PEMDAS and and X plus two? Like, no, teach me how to like invest and and how to do my taxes and how do I save my money? How do I move my four hundred one? Teach me stuff like that. And that's what they need to do in the college. Okay, you guys are making money now. I see you making six figures. Hey, we're going to show you, okay, where to put your money, right? Who to trust, you know, how to allocate all that stuff, you know, and, and that can go a long way. You teach them like they're going to, Hey, young kids are going to make their mistakes. That's a part of life, right? You need to make those mistakes, but you and guess what? Them. Being over 30, I still make my fair share. Of hey mistakes. man, I still make mistakes. <laughs> like it, 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 it's, I'm 32. Like it's still, it happens. You're always, you're gonna, it's life, yes, you know, sir. but like, you know, it's not, I can't believe this took so long for this to happen, but I'm happy it's finally here um, and guys can make some coin uh, off their name, engine lightning. It's because that's just, it's not legal. Yeah. <laughs> it's not legal in any type of, the, but NCAA got away with it. And, uh, you know, they're definitely uh, shaking in the boots right now.
But they get a free, they get one free year of college education, Chris. So that makes, <laughs> but they get that, that scholarship, makes, though. That they get that. I hate that argument too. Like, oh, oh dude, it drives me nuts. That should be good enough. You get free T-shirts. <laughs> yeah, oh, so. like okay, so your your debt is reset to zero, but you don't yeah. make anything. And I can lose a scholarship if I suck. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Exactly. People forget that that scholarships go by what semester or the year, like. You mm-hmm. can get that scholarship, but like if you're not good or you, you know, you guess what? You just lost your scholarship and now you got a tuition sixty thousand. You go to one of these elite schools and it's you know sixty five thousand dollars a year and we need the payment uh, right now. So uh yeah. Yep. You're you're <laughs> that's, you're that's behind no more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Chris, man, debut episode of Draft Capital in the books. How you feeling about it? It's good, man. I know we got a lot more things in store. You know, I can't wait to to dive in more into this upcoming class and continue to follow this year's class, the 21 class, because, you know, obviously um, been looking forward to uh, seeing these guys play, see who does what. Uh, so uh, but this was fun. I'm excited about the future of the show. You know, I'm sure we're going to have some pretty cool guests on the show, some pretty cool topics to talk about. So I'm, I'm excited about the future of this pod. Oh, yeah, dude, absolutely. I've already been working behind this. I mean, it's not really going to be a secret. There are guys that have been on your shows, guys that have been on on yeah, my course, shows. You know, I mean, it's it's just it's all new friends just in a, under a different wrapping paper. Right. So but man, draft capital in the books, uh, debut episode. If you like what you heard, make sure that you are talking to your friends about it. You know, we're going to be more depth in, in player analysis, talking about some of the big matchups. Obviously, as the season progresses, there's going to guess what? Our, our, our preseason projections, they're going to fluctuate as the season goes on. That's the way it happens. And once the tournament hits, you know, some people will take that time to say, all right, this is when the evaluation matters the most because the level of competition picks up. So it, it really just depends on your flavor. But as the year progresses, man, we're going to be talking about a number of different prospects. You know, we're, we'll obviously hit on the big names and, you know, trying to bring some of the unsung heroes of the NCAA who, you know, maybe if you're not so deep into the draft coverage, stick around because, you know, you're going to be able to learn some things about this, uh, about the process, about the players. Mm-hmm. And and we'll and we'll have people other than ourselves on here, like Chris said, that can help explain things maybe in a different manner or perspective than we would ever be able to. So super excited for everyone who watched and listened. Please follow the show on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Draft Capital NBA. And we're going to be, again, draft-centered podcast discussing the future NBA players. And, you know, if Chris, let's go ahead and let the people know a little bit about Off the Ball Network. You know, the the, the number one place for all your sports needs. You're the Prez. I'm the director of daily operations out there, man. It's a great place to be. We have such good talent. You know, our college football coverage is ramping up. I wholeheartedly believe even take the biases outright. Like, I was fans of a lot of the guys that we have covering NCAA football before they were even off the ball guys, man. So, you know, fantasy football coming up, NFL, you know, college football, boxing, golf, everything. We got it, man. So let's let's just share a little bit about off the ball real quick. Yeah, man, we got we got a squad. It's it's just that simple. They're very, very, very talented uh bunch of individuals at off the ball network very versatile we got we got you covered in pretty much everything so there's not nothing you know everyone's just the the amount of knowledge we have on you know especially it's football side basketball side it's it's second to none uh i put i put us against anyone 
um, as far as creating content and all that. And it's just it's just going to continue to grow and, and grow. And, you know, it, it, it's, you know, we try to build that family type, you know, um, environment here. And I think we've done a good job of doing that and, you know, trusting one another. You know, um, everyone works well within each other. Like, there's no... The, the chemistry is unreal. Everyone can intertwine with each other. You know, any combination, whether it's me, you, or you put me in bars or, or Jerg and couch or it just so many, you know, Mo and Jeff, like there's so many different connections you could put, you know, even you could put, you could put, uh, you could put, um, you could put Kenneth and, and uh, Edgar together. And and it, and it and it works, you know. And that's the that's the beauty of it, you know. Um, if you don't know, they they go at each other, you know, with their takes. But you know, yep. you put them together on a show, they're 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 elite together. So that's the beauty of that. Everyone intertwines with each other. You don't see that a lot. And we're just trying to build build something great here, and it's just going to continue to get better. It gets better by the day. Uh, so um, we're doing some great stuff. Always coming up with new shows great articles you know it's just it's crazy how people like i get i have to decline people to want to be (laughs) part of it like it's crazy like and i hate to be that but you know um it's it's just been uh it's it's been fun and uh trying to to, uh, find the right because i don't just want to add anyone to me yeah we're at the point where we have to make sure we find the right people to be a part of this and We've definitely done that. Shout out to Urson. Start off to oh, dude, you know, love Urson. You know, with the um, uh, joining us, and they've been killing it. So, it's family off the ball. You know, so uh, we're just gonna keep getting better and better. And uh, like I said, we got everything you need. So just hop on over off the ball network dot com. Go to our Facebook where everyone's streaming their shows. You know, check out there or Twitter. We're almost at one k. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna do a giveaway at one k. So let's get there. We're only like. I don't even know, 15 away, something like that. We're we're in the teens away. We're close. So. We're close. close. We're very close. So you guys like get giveaways, you know, uh who don't like free stuff, man. Yeah, you know, uh working on the YouTube numbers, you know, trying to get that up going, you know, you know, uh little by little we're getting better and better. So it, it's dope. Yeah. Yeah, dude, absolutely. So let's go ahead and let the people go, man. Uh, Chris, appreciate you as always, man. Love having you. Um, you know, as a colleague, it was one thing. Now that we're co-hosts, man, you know, it's just it's just even more love all the way around, bro. So I um, appreciate you and your time. Let's let the people know where they can find you, brother. Yeah, man. Appreciate you uh, wanting to be to your co-host on, on, on Draft Capital. This is going to be fun, man. I'm looking forward to this. Consensus and, uh, number one pick for me, bro. I mean, it was hey. easy. I appreciate it. Like I said, when you said you thought about this and then uh, it, it, I was like, yeah, I want, I want in on this. So uh, happy, happy you chose me uh, with your number one pick. Um, hopefully I'm not a bust. Um, oh, no, you're, you're bust proof, bro. <laughs> I hope so. I you hope have so. a high floor. High I hope floor, I, high ceiling. I think I have, I, you know, uh, I definitely got a high floor. Definitely have a high ceiling. But um, yeah, you can find me off the ball pod on Twitter. That's where I'm most active. Um, uh facebook off the ball pod off the ball podcast instagram off the ball podcast all that good stuff listen to the show on on dash uh i got a i just did a show with urson we're going to talk about uh nick summer league and we break down you know each player each you know, all the significant players in the summer league and, and talk about you know what, what we feel like they're going to contribute to the to the 21 22 season 
And then I got a show up with uh, Jordan Jackson. I interviewed him last year before the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, super bouncy. <laughs> super bouncy. His highlight reel is pretty. And, uh, but he had a really good uh, season. Didn't get drafted, but uh, still on that journey. But, you know, he just signed to a team in Portugal. So we'll, we're going to dive into that. So that's going to be a fun interview. But, you know, follow me off the ball pod and uh, just keep up to all the updates on, on upcoming shows and all that. Absolutely. And as for myself, I had a, you know, a moment of clarity that I can no longer refer to myself as Steven BTG on Twitter with the debut of Draft Capital. I can't just be breaking the game, right? So um, after a long period of reflection, changed the Twitter handle to at Steven G Hoops. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, that's how you can do that. Um, part of the Breaking the Game show that's on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Shout out to Nothing But Net holding it down for Off the Ball Network Mondays on there from 10 a.m. Eastern all the way through noontime. You can hear me followed by Vice President Mo Murphy followed by the Prez himself. And then at 8 o'clock that very same night on Mondays, you can hear the Hoopers round out Off the Ball Network Mondays on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Um, breaking the Game. Obviously, it is a big part of what I do for the network, but Draft Capital is a history in the making for Off the Ball Network. Anywhere podcasts are available, you can go and search Draft Capital, which again, powered by MyBookie. Go to mybookie.ag, enter in promo code Off the Ball. You can win, you can earn up to 50% matching and up to $1,000 cash with MyBookie, one of the best deals you're ever going to get in the industry. So, Chris, this has been fun, man. And everyone who is um, watching, listening, much appreciate all the love and support that you're getting. Day one, only going to get bigger and better from this day moving forward. We'll talk to y'all next time. Much love, everybody.